So we're a couple of weeks away from Easter, a time of great celebration. But if we're going to fully celebrate Easter and what the resurrection means and all that Jesus has done, then we need to embrace the pain that led to the cross before we receive the life that comes from the cross. Amen? So I want to talk today and use a metaphor over the next few weeks of a game of chess. Now, now I'm not very good at chess. I don't know much about chess. In fact, Jonathan said when he saw my little chess board up here this morning and he realized that I knew nothing about chess, he said, Dad, don't embarrass yourself today. I said, Jonathan, that's my prayer every day. I got that one covered. (laughs) I know two things about chess. One, that the king is a pretty important part of the game. The king may not be the most influential piece, but it's certainly one of the most important. The second thing I know about chess is that even when it seems like you're going to lose, until the game is over, it's not over. And if you know what you're doing, then chess, the game, can provide you with an opportunity for an incredible comeback. I know two things about the game of life. Our king is not just important, he's incredibly influential as well. I know in the game of life as well, that the gospel reminds us that whatever's happening, no matter how defeated it seems or feels that we are, when our trust is in God, when our hope is in Christ, there is always before us the hope for a kingdom, for a comeback, to make a difference, to get back on track. Over the next few weeks, I want to journey with the Apostle John, John 16, 17, 18, 19, to talk about how this incredible comeback that Jesus made and that Jesus offers comes to be. One of the things that we'll look at on Easter Sunday is that as Jesus is resurrected, as he's revealing himself to his disciples, he's constantly saying to them, do you remember what I told you? It's going to be just as I said. And they'd completely forgotten what he told them and what he'd said. But this scripture here that I want to read today in John chapter 16 is that part that he was pointing them to remember. If you will, this is the before, the after. And we're people who are looking for that after because that's where life is. But in order to receive the life and the after, we've got to understand and live in the before. Does that make sense? So John chapter 16, Jesus doesn't have some great news for the disciples. But in order to experience a comeback, in order to receive the good news, 
You've got to understand the bad news first, right? And so John 16 talks about the bad news with some good news that is just a glimmer in these words. John chapter 16. When the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. You also will testify because you have been with me from the beginning. He says, I'm telling you these things to keep you from stumbling. He says, there's a great tomorrow ahead, but we're living in today. We're living in what is often a difficult today. And the danger for us in the difficult today is that we will stumble, that we will step away from God, that our faith, when it's needed the most, will fail us. And Jesus says, I want to tell you some things. So that while you're living in this before, before you get to the after, you will not stumble. It says it's going to be tough. Verse 2, there'll be a time when people ban you from the synagogues because of me. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think that they are offering a service to God. They will do things because they haven't known the Father or me. But I have told you these things so that when their time comes, you will remember that I told you. I didn't tell you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I'm going away and another will come and be with you. First off, Jesus paints this pretty poor picture of what their immediate before is going to look like. He says, it's going to look worse for you before it gets better for you. It's going to get worse for you before it gets better for you. So let me tell you what your immediate future could look like. One day you will get up and go to temple and they will ban you from temple because of your faith and your trust in me. That thing you love, that place you've been to all your life, they won't let you in because of your faith in me. In fact, one of the governors, Josephus tells us about 40 years later, had someone outside the temple who was reviewing whether someone is a Christian or not to let them in or not. And he found out in doing so that there was a lot of people who came to him and said, oh yeah, I was a Christian, but I'm not anymore because my faith died when Christ died. You see, they stumbled and they lost it. It's going to be a tough time ahead. You're going to be banned. Thinking about this this week, that word banned sounds a lot like canceled, a phrase that we use a lot today. 
It's almost like the synagogue was saying, I don't like those Jesus people. I'm going to cancel them. He says, it's going to get worse than that. There's some people who are going to despise you so much that they're going to want to kill you. And when they kill you, they will do so thinking that they're doing God a favor. Isn't that a horrible thing? That was Saul's mission. That, that was Saul's purpose before he became Paul. He rounded up the disciples. He wanted to kill them. And his motive was that he thought that he was doing God a favor. So many horrible things over the course of history, have been done in the name of God. Jesus says it's going to get bad. Some of you will be threatened with your life. Some of you will lose your life by people who think they're doing God a favor. Lest we think that this is something that happened a long, long time ago, the same thing happened this week when a young man who had some terrible addictions thought that in the name of God, in order to remove temptation from these addictions, he could go and kill some people who worked in an industry that perpetuated what he thought was wrong. He was confused. He was disturbed. He was wrong. He was hateful. But he thought he was doing God a favor. It's messed up. But the same thing has been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years. Jesus is saying in this before picture, it's going to get worse before it gets better. It's going to get worse before it's going to get better. I've been reading a book this week by Dietrich Bonhoeffer called Life Together. He's got another book out called The Cost of Discipleship. He says in it, when God calls a person to follow him, he calls him to come and die, to come and surrender his own will, his own way, his own stuff. Why? For a better way, for a greater hope, for a deeper purpose. For a surpassing joy. Jesus knows that the cross is coming. And that the cross is going to be painful. He says before it gets better, it's going to get worse. I know that doesn't sound like much of an encouragement. But when we understand how much better God has for us, the trials that we will go through will be light and momentary, as Paul talks about. As Jesus is preparing the disciples for the resurrection, he says, I want you to know it's going to get worse before it gets better. But it will get better. He goes on, when I go, you're going to feel alone. 
You're going to feel isolated. You've spent the last three years with me. We've had a blast. We've done some cool stuff. We started this movement that is going to change the world. And I love you, and it's been awesome. But I'm going to go. Jesus is saying not only is it going to get worse, but it's going to get lonely. Loneliness is a real problem for us. When God created us, he didn't create us to be lonely. He created us for each other, to be in friendship, to be in relationship. No one is meant to be alone. But Jesus says, when I go, it's going to feel for a little bit like you're alone. He describes the state of your heart, verse 6. He says, sorrow has filled it. They were sad of heart because Jesus was going. The, the, the reason they were sad of heart, though, is because Jesus said, you haven't asked me where I'm going. Now, that asked in the past and had told them. But as he told them, they didn't understand what he'd said. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, a place that is incredible. When I go, one is going to come who's going to enable you to do greater works than you've ever done. He's going to impart a richer knowledge than you've ever had. He's going to draw you closer to me, even than we are right now. But they hadn't asked. And because they hadn't asked, sorrow had filled their heart. And that sorrow was that they were going to be alone. One lesson here. When you're unsure, always ask. Before your emotions get too strong, engage your brain and ask, what's happening here? Things were going to get better before... They got worse. And now the disciples were feeling that they were going to be alone. But the reality was they weren't going to be alone. Jesus said, verse 7, I'm going to tell you the truth. It is actually for your benefit that I go away. You see, because when I go, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, God in the form of God in you, is going to come. And when he comes, he's going to convict the world about sin, convince them about righteousness, and show them what judgment will look like. He's going to talk about sin because they do not believe in me, about righteousness because I'm going to the Father, and you will no longer see me, and about judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. Jesus is saying, even though you're going to feel alone, soon you will not be alone, and the Holy Spirit is going to be with you. He will convict you of sin. He's going to show you what's wrong. He's going to convict you of righteousness. He's going to show you what's right. He's going to convict you of judgment. He's going to show you the consequences of these decisions. You're going to feel alone, 
but you're not alone. There's a lot of people in our world today who feel that things are getting worse. And we need to say to them, because of Easter, because of Jesus, things will get worse, but they will get infinitely better. There are many people today who are feeling alone. But we need to remind them that they are not alone because the presence and the power of God is with them and for them. In England recently, they set up a new government position through the Houses of Parliament. They called it the Minister of Loneliness because there's so many folks who are lonely and they know the problems health-wise, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, that come from being alone. As we prepare for Easter, we embrace that feeling of being alone as we hold on to the promise that we are never alone. Jesus says, I got so many things to tell you, verse 12, but you can't bear them right now. It's a tough time. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. Say, so you're receiving one who's part of the Trinity, who sits in on the team meetings of heaven. He's there as the plans are made for God's redemptive plan for humanity. And he's with you and he's in you. And he's telling you how to play your part in that. He'll declare to you what is to come. This Holy Spirit is always going to be pointing to me. He's going to glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is mine. This is why I told you that he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. The disciples are a little bit confused because they're fearing the worst and they're feeling alone. And there's a whole lot that they're not understanding. In this before picture, in this moment where it could look like we're losing, there's a whole lot that we don't understand. Jesus said the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to give you understanding. Jesus said a little while and you no longer see me again, a little while and you not see me. The disciples said to each other, huh? Verse 17, what is he telling us when he says a little while you will not see me and again a little while you will not see me because I'm going to the Father. What on earth is he saying? They didn't understand. They didn't get it. It didn't make any sense to them. They know it's going to get worse. They know they're going to be alone. They're feeling it. But they don't understand either. Verse 19, Jesus wanted to ask him, and so he said, are you 
You're talking about what I just said. You, you don't understand, do you? Let, let me help you. What he was talking about there is that he was saying that uh, I'm going to go away in my death for a couple of days, and then I'm going to come again. And then I'm going to be with you for 40 days, and I'm going to ascend to heaven. Jesus is saying there's so much you don't understand, and just because you don't understand it now, it doesn't mean you won't understand it later. This is the good news of Easter that we will soon celebrate. But before we can soon celebrate, we must embrace the before picture before we can become the after picture. It might get worse, but it's going to get better. You might feel alone, but you're not alone. You may sense that you don't understand everything, but one day you will when the Holy Spirit comes and when time and my redemptive plan works itself out. Verse 20, truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn. And as you weep and mourn, the world is going to rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned to joy. And he gives this illustration that some of you will understand more than others. When a woman is in labor, she's in pain because her time has come. But when she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the suffering because of the joy that a person has been born into the world. So you will have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Your hearts will rejoice and no one will take away that joy from you. What does this before peace look like? What is it? feel like when it seems like we're staring at a loss. We think things are going to get worse. We feel all alone. There's a lot we don't understand and it feels painful. But Jesus says this is what the resurrection will do. It will turn your pain to joy. You know those moments before the baby is born. Every minute feels like an hour because it's so rough. I understand. But when the baby's born, things are reversed. Every hour feels like a minute because it's going so fast and you feel so full of joy. Sorrow has been turned to pain. Sorrow has been turned to pain. What's, what's interesting here is that this process of going from sorrow to joy, I should have said joy, did I say pain? I didn't mean pain. Did you get what I meant? <laughs> Sorry. I'm thinking ahead. Now I've lost what I was going to say ahead because I was thinking about pain. All right. <clears throat> There's my bullet. There'll be something beautiful birthed from pain, right? The before picture, we think it's going to get worse. 
we think we're alone, we don't understand, we're in pain, but something beautiful is going to be birthed from that pain. Joy will come from sorrow. What's interesting about that process is that pain is turned to joy. It's not that pain is canceled and joy is put there. There's a transformation that happens. God doesn't make a substitution and say, I'm pulling out pain and I'm replacing it with joy. He transforms pain to joy. Earlier we were talking about how the church and the believers were going to be banned from the sanctuary, from the, the, the synagogue, from the temple. And how that cancel culture then is still alive today. Here's one of my concerns about cancel culture today. If we keep canceling things, we miss out on the opportunity to change things. Because God doesn't cancel, He transforms. He doesn't substitute, He renews and restores and redeems. Does that make sense? A couple of weeks ago, I sent someone uh, I know a friend request. And they wrote back a private message and said, Hey, Andy, I, I can't be your friend because there's pain in our past and you hurt me here, here, and here. I had no idea. So my response was uh, somewhat apologetic. I'm really sorry I did that, and I'm even more sorry that I didn't know I'd caused you pain. Please forgive me. Please allow me to, 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 to listen and talk through so that we can bring some resolution. And I got the response back and says, no, we don't, don't need to worry about it because I'd already forgiven you. And I thought, man, I just got canceled. And again, I don't mind being canceled. It is what it is. But what I am grieved about is that I don't have the opportunity to address whatever's wrong in me and have that pain transformed to joy. You see, when we cancel something, we just stop something. And the fear is that when we cancel something, we are preventing God from redeeming something. God is in the business of redemption and changing. He changes pain to joy. That baby inside is a whole lot of pain. That baby outside is a whole lot of joy. But I will see you again. And then your hearts will rejoice. And no one will ever, ever, ever take away that joy from you. In that day, you will not ask me anything. Why? Because you'll know we're together. Truly, I say to you, anything you ask, in the name of the Father, He will give you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, so that your joy may be complete. Easter, the resurrection, 
is about God giving us a joy deeper and bigger and broader and better and bolder than anything we can even comprehend. That's the after picture. That's the resurrection hope. That's the gospel truth. But before that after picture, we have to live in the before picture. Before we complete the comeback, we've got to feel the loss. Before that joy, we got to live in the sorrow. Before we experience the good news of the gospel, we got to understand the bad news of our brokenness. And the bad news is it'll get worse. But the good news is it'll get better. The bad news is we'll feel alone. But the good news is we're never alone. The bad news is we don't understand now. But the good news is one day we will. The bad news is that we're living in sorrow and pain. But one day, one day, we will experience complete joy. Easter is about life coming out of death. It's about a comeback coming when everything seemed to be lost. But as we prepare for this Easter season, we must embrace that loss before we can claim that victory. Our sin our brokenness, our pain has cost us everything. But in Jesus and because of Jesus, good news is coming.